When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back on the week of turning tables. As last time we spoke, I was sitting pretty and Nick was in the doldrums. However, a swift reverse now sees me languishing in failure as my uh, pod rival gallops off into the sunset of victory. For now. Of course, with me is Nick. You all right? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Uh, yeah, the Everton-Watford game um, has just finished. Unfortunately, we couldn't get a live reaction of um, of the DNA goal going in for me, but uh, my tweet says it all. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was pretty... Pretty exciting. I was just expecting a one point. Uh, I was resigned to it. You know, I had a bit of bad luck with this guy, especially with the Liverpool goal from the last game week. But to, to get a last minute goal was uh, fantastic. But yeah, we'll get on to that in a little bit. Uh, just to say quickly who we are. Of course, we are Who Got the Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. You can use Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you'd like to listen and subscribe. What are we talking about today, Tom? So today we're going to be talking about the last couple of weeks a little bit, especially through the prism of self-inflicted FPL failures, based on my recent experiences and a few other people's experiences too. Uh, then Nick, you're going to be presenting a little bit of work that we've done on the Selfishness Index, which uncovers the least charitable characters in FPL. Then, of course, do a mega update on the market, the zombies and the old England before, as always, answering your questions. Yep, sounds great. And thanks for the questions as always. Just say thanks as well to everyone who turned up to listen to us on the Breakfast Club or on the WGTA Q&A sessions over YouTube over the last week. Yeah, it was good fun uh, doing a bit of live recording. So let's ride anyway. And shall we get the uh, the game week reviews done first? Do you want to start with, with your game week? Well, no, I don't. Uh, it's, uh, it's been, as I said at the top, it's been, a, it's been a very hard couple of weeks for me. But a couple of game weeks, that is. It's literally been, what, seven days? And uh, you know, the, the tables that I mentioned at the top are completely turned. Like It's like I'd ha- had a lot of good luck and you can't carry any more of this item anymore. You know, I'd got, what, 34 minus four in midweek. It was really bad. And then I elected, as we'll speak about in a minute, to, to take some drastic action a week too early, uh, which resulted in me getting 50 minus eight this week, um, which wasn't particularly good. I think I'm down to about 160k, something like that now from 60k before, almost tripling my rank, which is quite depressing over over two weeks. But um, as I mentioned, we'll talk about that more in just a second. What about you, Nick? You had a late moment of celebration right then, didn't you? Yeah, so it's been the opposite for me. I think when we were doing the live recordings last week, I was a bit down in the, the doldrums, but you told me to have some faith. And uh, yeah, things did turn around for me quite considerably. Uh, 69 points in game week 15. You know, I brought in Fabianski and Kane and they both returned. Got points from Fraser. Um, Doherty, Hazard, Sané, him and his, actually like all my all my midfielders and tackers returned that, that game week, which, you know, was obviously fantastic. And then um, this game week... Uh, yeah, it was 64 points plus Dine, and Dine just got a nine-point goal, so that looks like about 74 points for me this game week, which is pretty, pretty incredible all in all. Um, you know, um, I brought in Aubameyang and Snodgrass. I sold Hazard, and Hazard did return, so I missed out on some points there. 
on the minus four, but I got Snodgrass in who scored for me. Um, I kept Salah more importantly, and Robertson, who Salah obviously got the hat trick, and Robertson got some points. All my defenders got points, so Doherty as well, and Alonso. Um, the only mistake and the only real um, bad decisions that I made over the last couple of game weeks was on my captaincy. So <laughs> game week 15, I captained Salah. Uh, game week and he, he was benched. Game week sixteen, I captain Kane and he was benched. So if I got those guys the other way round, I'd have got an extra thirty-two points, which is uh, quite incredible actually to miss out on those points. Which is, you know, I, I, obviously it's been great. So I can't focus too much on the negative, but you know what could have been, it could have been even better. But yeah, like you were saying, Tom, we've 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 swapped positions. You were about. 30, 40 points ahead of me. Now it's the other way around. And yeah, I know you want to segue over into the depression, perhaps, that you're feeling a little bit after <laughs> after a couple of poor game weeks and, and, and what we can do to turn it around. And obviously it can turn around very quickly in FPL, as you can see from, from what's happened with myself. Yeah, exactly. There's so many sliding doors moments, aren't there? Like I captain Salah as well. I decided not to bring Kane in. I went for Aubameyang. If I had brought Kane in and if I'd have uh, kept that, would have meant I probably would have kept Salah. And then, oh, it's, it's so like, it's so marginal, isn't it? It's just the very edge of things. And it can be very galling when that happens. It, it, I've certainly uh, had a couple of days in the darkness. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've returned now. I'm, I'm kind of okay. And obviously, I, I reached out to a few people in the community to ask them about their kind of uh, stories of uh, FPL depression and how they've gotten out of it as well. Because we look like a before and after image, don't we, of in me in the midst of it now and you coming out of it after a hard couple of weeks a few people shared some very nice stories with us the avuncular joe uh, from ffs mentions his uh, famous time when he dropped from 100k to 1.5 million in three weeks uh, with three 30 point scores he was taking lots of minus fours reacting badly but he reverted to his trademark dollard style of play and shot back up the rankings a lesson that he gives is don't react any differently to a bad game week than to a good game week Got some interesting stories as well. Um, Alex Ball uh, got minus four off his bench in Cabasay a few weeks back, which is uh, yeah, uh, memorably uh, probably one of the funniest slash most bittersweet moments on our Slack, I think, when he realised that he was coming on. Uh, Goops mentioned that he brought in uh, Morata last year for Chelsea home to Stoke, uh, thought that he was a guaranteed a sure thing after he got a hat-trick away. Uh, had Salah's vice. Everybody had a Hazard captain and Salah vice. Hazard didn't play. Salah got a brace and he and everybody got the vice captain points, whereas Murata blanked and he had a massive, uh, a massive shocker. Nymphria minus twelve last year, selling Salah, and uh, he turned it on from that moment onwards. So she had to buy him back in after two weeks. Yeah, uh, Jamie Dodd said it's very knee-jerk after doubling his rank, but he's going to try to hold on um, as impulsive transfers rarely work. And finally, we get to Rob and Heroes and Villains FPL. Rob said he finally got himself up to 100k, took a minus eight, which backfired in every possible way. And the heroes and villains, uh, Sai, said that he tried to transfer Salah in to captain against Cardiff, left it too late because he was walking around the Welsh hills and struggling to get an internet connection, ran out of time to confirm. He transferred in a couple of weeks later and then transferred them out at the same time I did. So on Wednesday, uh, just for his haul this weekend. Brilliant. I think, yeah, this, this sort of thing does happen. I remember distinctly my faux pas from last season where I accident. I think I was trying to swap out Elliot for um, Hennessy, and I'd actually accidentally done Spironi for Hennessy, oh, no, and then Hennessy got injured in the warm up, and uh, and then Spironi actually played, and Spironi got eleven points, but I didn't have a single playing goalkeeper. That <laughs> <week>. <laughs> I remember <laughs> so, that? It was an accident. I was just at a party, you know, I was drinking. I was, I was like, oh, I've got to do my transfer. You know, I had it all planned for about a few days. Pressed the button, thought, oh Christ, I've done the wrong one. <laughs> I was just so pissed. No, I remember that. Happen. At the end of the day, you know, obviously around the uh, Christmas period, you've got to be very careful not to drink and transfer. Enjoy your grandma run, enjoy your moonshine, but, you know, save the FPL in, when you're sober and do your transfers early, perhaps before you go out partying. Yeah, I mean, I did the master I got. Um, I was in the Uber home just because the games were still going on and the prices were rising. I think that that's kind of that, the alcohol rage were the three things that kind of combined together uh, to make that very kind of human reaction happen. I think if I hadn't been drinking, I would probably have thought a bit more about press and confirm. But as it is, I've been slowly rocking myself back and forth while listening to Chumbawamba on repeat these last few days just because it's been... Um, has been tough, you know, it's been a tale of two missed captaincies, no Kane, no Salah, as I mentioned. Horrifyingly, Nick, this is the third hat-trick I've missed this year that loads of people have got. So, Kun Aguero, 
Eden Hazard and Mo Salah, I've missed all three. So the fact that I'm still vaguely in contention is a wonder in itself. And I just had a lack of dead eye really in managing the Arnie situation. So I, I brought Kane in thinking, oh, you know, that's the only guy I wanted to replace Arnie with. And I really should have just benched Iron like FPL General did. The consolation, I guess, is that I have a team now that's probably unaffordable compared to other people. It's just the immediate impact of missing out on Salah was, was horrible, really. Yeah, I think you you would double down in terms of the punishment, and I think I really feel feel for those Arnie owners because he looked like a dead cert for the fixture run that West Ham have, you know, and is still going to have for the next few. And to, to pick up that injury kind of made sense. I understand why there weren't a plethora of options around that seven million pound bracket for forward. So if you had Aubameyang, you had Kane already. You're thinking, right, I'm going to fund in the other one, bringing Kane, bring, bringing Aubameyang. And, you know, a lot of people looked at their teams and you were talking about, you know, Salah, he hadn't returned too much. He'd, he'd only got two bonus points all season up to this point. He was looking like he could easily be offloaded because of his cost. And I think at the end of the day, you know, I gave out advice to people to sell Salah, you know, and it was it was poor advice. And, you know, I do feel a little bit, I do feel a little bit guilty, you know, about getting those points. I don't want to rub it in anyone's faces because I don't think that's the right thing to do. But, you know... It's all in all, it is a game of luck. You know, everyone got punished to a certain extent, you know, with captaincy picks and players being benched over this Christmas period. It's very hard to predict and it's very hard to score best. You know, we all trying the best we can, but, you know, there's a high chance one of your players can be benched, including your captain or one of your players can be injured. It is a game of luck at the end of the day. There is some skill, but there is a lot of luck at the end of the day as well. Yeah, it's a bad business, isn't it, really? Especially with, uh, you feel terrible, don't you, when you said to somebody, oh, yeah, it makes sense to sell salad because you're either doing it or it makes sense when you're trying to size up their team. And then when that sort of thing happens, you do feel so guilty, don't you? So a good segue here is a Simant's question on how you rise up after a punishing game week, which saw him lose 300,000 places in rank and which saw me uh, lose a, a, yeah, a fair bit too. I think the key is to stick to the goddamn plan. Like it was working, and I deviated from it. Like I had a good plan to bring in Kane next week and roll it this weekend. And if I'd done that, I'd have kept Salah and probably captained him. As it was, you know, the market I, I got influenced too much by the market, and then the fact that I wanted these particular players in the sheen of the midweek before. You can hit yourself out of trouble as well. But I think what I'm going to do is reduce the hits substantially. Now I've you know, taken. Uh, 12 points and hits in two weeks, which is pretty a lot, really. Uh, so I think it's time to exercise patience for me and circle the wagons, like essential transfers only, basically, from now on, and try to have two transfers and just have one in use every week. So I'll definitely be rolling this week, for example. Do you think people should hit themselves out of trouble, Nick? Like, how did you respond? I know you took a few hits and you tried to get out of your predicament. Yeah, I did take a couple of hits. I saw some key players that looked important to own over the next few fixtures, and particularly that my hits were for Bamiang and Kane. And at the end of the day, the returns that those two provided weren't brilliant. Kane got me some good points um, in the midweek fixture, but then he didn't start, and he got the one point when he was my captain. Or Bamiang's got a two and a five so far. But I think a lot of people did feel pressure to take those hits for those price rises, especially around this Christmas period when the fixture shift happened. It was a fixture shift that we talked about in the preseason around this time when Arsenal and Spurs assets would be key and perhaps we'd be talking about selling those Liverpool assets. You have to take a hit occasionally to sort out your team, especially for those premium assets. But at the end of the day, I think the the hit, the kind of the bounty that a lot of players had to play this game with was particularly tough. And, uh, you know, I was quite lucky in the fact that I, I haven't had Sterling all season, but, you know, I... I took a risk. I didn't bring Sterling in. I kept Salah and, and it paid off. But I did sell Hazard. And as usual with Hazard, he did punish me and uh, he could continue to punish as well because um, Chelsea are Brighton up next as well, which could be, um, you know, he could easily haul in that game. So at the end of the day, yeah, like you said, you have to stick to your plans, but also have some sort of goddamn faith in your in your team at the end of the day. You know, you pick these players for a reason. If one player blanks or doesn't start, don't knee jerk, don't suddenly say, oh, Kane's not started. I'm going to get rid of him because he's going to start against Burnley. Yeah, I think it's pretty much a guarantee. And he's, uh, yeah, he's still got a great run of fixtures. So you can plan ahead. But when the plan's not successful, I think, you know, it wouldn't be right for you, for instance, to take another hit to bring Salah in. That would be a mistake. You have to kind of stick to your plan and uh, and follow through with it to a certain extent. 
Yeah, I feel strategist put a very good point. It was about kind of playing modular FPL in some ways. And we've been saying it for a few weeks, haven't we? That every now and again, you're going to have to absorb the fact that you don't own the one or two guys. I mean, you've got, um, and we'll probably talk about this a bit more next week, but you've Hazard, Salah, Aubameyang, Kane and Sterling, you're five. And you're all, and maybe Sane is. Yeah, yeah, you've got the likes of Sane and Lacazette to a certain extent yeah. who are the, the cheaper the cheap alternatives and a lot of people got punished by Lacazette as well a lot of people got punished by oh, yeah, Mitrovic Mitrovic Jimenez all these sort of four Wilson as well being injured it was it was a really tough week for some I saw, saw some horror show teams with sort of like sort of four point attacks with Captain Lacazette and Jimenez and Mitrovic and No Salah and uh yeah, it was a bit, a bit of a shocker for some. But then I've also seen some brilliant weeks. Um, I think Chris Orsamo in our Slack chats uh, scored a 90-point week as well. So, you know, it's, it's been a very mixed bag. No, yeah, this is very hard. Like, I will be trying to batten down the hatches now and trying to stop the hits from coming and just trusting in my team. Um, there's a lot of FPL to be played, so if you're not doing as well as you want to be or if you've taken a bit of a fall, there is time to recover it. The space between 60k and 200k isn't that big. Like For example, when I accelerated past you a few weeks ago when you Captain K and you blanked and I got uh, 20-something points from Hazard, it can turn on the blink of an eye and we've just got the bad side of it, those who've had a bad game week. And I think generally just don't worry too much about what you see on social media, on the forums and things like that. Like On a week like this, if you haven't done very well, it can be easy to kind of feel down about it. But the reality is that everybody like who has to have a good week is going to be piping up. And those who don't do very well don't tend to speak up as much, I suppose. And it just feels like a repeat of shotgun sort of thing when uh, you keep seeing, oh, I've got 80 points, I've got 90 points, oh, big green arrow. And you think, where's everyone who's done badly? The answer is they're all there. They're just not saying anything, basically. And yeah, like you saw in the, in the games today, you know, things can change. You can get an extra nine points in the in the last minute, but then... I lost eight points in the last minute when Orohi scored that goal because Dino was on for, for nine points in that game and ended up with two. So I lost seven points then. You know, these these last-minute goals can punish you. I, f- I feel like I've been punished a little bit this season from last-minute goals with Fabianski losing his um, with the double Wolves clean sheet going in the last minute against Arsenal and a couple of other times as well. At the end of the day, you have one bad week, but if you get your captain right the next game week and you get a hat-trick, you could easily, easily jump back up to the rank you were the previous game week is very tight at the moment in terms of the overall ranks. You could easily jump back up to the, the high 50k or so just in a couple of game weeks with a couple of decent captain picks. Yeah, exactly. And I think the fact that there are those five guys, um, just to complete that point from earlier on before we finish this section, uh, means that you are probably always going to be missing out on one or two of them. If you are the three, don't compensate for the score that those guys are getting. You are going to see perhaps Red Arrow that week, but it's just about absorbing it. Don't do a me and overreact to it. It's a bit of a schoolboy error, isn't it? I'm a bit annoyed about that. And, you know, all in all, kids, just don't drink an FPL. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and uh, it's time to talk about the selfishness index. And this is um, something that we've discussed on a previous pod, but uh, this time around, I think we're going to go into a little bit more detail. We've essentially um, looked at the last few seasons and rated players on their sort of selfishness based on shots taken versus chance creation to create a selfishness index. And one of the drivers of this was to uh, look at the selfish players in FPL and how this impacts baseline bonus and and to look at sort of correlation there. And um, we've talked about previously the likes of Mane and Ali. Uh, being bonus phobes compared to some of their more creative colleagues like Ericsson. And um, one of the observations as well um, is the likes of Salah have been sort of perhaps snatching at chances, um, not creating chances for their teammates. And um, this has impacted his bonus. And like I said, prior to this game week, he was being outscored by the likes of Jonathan Hogg um, for bonus points, which was perhaps, I think, and it certainly was, one of the uh, drivers behind the infamous... Uh, Salah sell off this game week. Um, we've also had a, a Twitter poll uh, this game week as well. Um, we we asked the crowd to see who they thought the most selfish player was, and, and we had a, a number of choices um, to pick from. And uh, do you have the results of the poll there, Tom? Yeah, I do. So um, we left out a few obvious ones, left out Mane, left out uh, Richarlison, that sort of player, uh, but asked of Harry Kane, Mo Salah, Alexander Mitrovic and Ryan Fraser, who the uh, most selfish player was. And out of over a thousand votes, uh, Harry Kane, Nick, uh, just under half people said it was him. 25% said it was Salah, 22% said it was Mitrovic and just 4% correctly said that Ryan Fraser was the least selfish player of that lot. 
so with the selfishness index, Nick, it is a few players that, you know, the usual characters, I guess, that are scoring highly for selfishness, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. And um, so we've got the sort of results in the poll. Actually, Mitrovic, of the of the ones you uh, listed, was the most um, selfish. Only 22% went for the, the right answer. On our selfish index, he's ranked as the 10th most selfish um, player of the season so far with, an, with a score of 4.58. And that was actually out of um, the top 100 players for goal attempts so far this season. So we excluded a lot of the players that have only taken three, four shots because they would have scooped the numbers. So out of the top 100 players for taking goal attempts, Mitrovic from that list was a uh, 10th overall. But for those that are interested, uh, the most selfish players uh, this season have actually been Hoslu and Rondon. Um, who scored fifteenth on the uh, fifteen on the selfish index? He's had uh, he's um, he's had fifteen goal attempts and only created one chance for his teammates. Whilst Rondon's had twenty eight goal attempts and only uh, created two for his teammates. And perhaps that's a little bit concerning for Newcastle fans that their players aren't really working together and working alongside each other. Instead, they're just taking pot shots. But um, and in terms of baseline bonus, like I said, uh, subsequently. Hoslu and uh, Rondon were 94th and 103rd in terms of the uh, 117 players that uh, we were including in this uh, in the statistics. Uh, so, uh, yeah, bad, bad for the Newcastle guys. So Kane, incidentally, he was 13th, like I said, with a selfishness rating of 3.92. Um, and in terms of baseline bonus, he was 77th. So, yeah, it's, it's bad um, for these forwards. I mean, they're getting lots of goal attempts, which is what you like to see. But in terms of creating chances for their teammates, not really happening. Um, but I think that's, that's kind of typical of forwards. So um, we'll, we won't look too much at the forwards, but instead we're going to focus on the midfielders. And um, in terms of selfish midfielders, Richarlison sticks out particularly. He was 15th overall with a selfishness rating of 3.55. And in terms of BPS, baseline BPS, he ranked 72nd. And that's, I guess, indicative of tonight. Richarlison scored a goal, but was nowhere near the bonus. Whilst Luca Dean, who's um, been very creative, creating lots of chances for his teammates, scored a goal as well, immediately got three bonus points, even though he also conceded. Inversely, Ryan Fraser, who you mentioned, Tom, was the least selfish of all the players listed with um, 0.5833, had the seventh highest baseline bonus. So Ryan Fraser is a really good asset because he can score goals. We've seen a few goals from him this season, but he's also creating lots of chances for his teammates and so Fraser will get lots of bonus points. He's potentially getting lots of goals and assists for his cut price as well. Yeah, I'm not, not surprised to see Ryan Fraser there. Where's Callum Wilson, by the way? So Wilson, in terms of selfishness, he's actually been not particularly selfish. He's the 58th, so it's quite a middling score for him. And so he is, um, he is creating lots of chances. But actually, in terms of baseline bonus, he was still ranked pretty low. He was 100th overall. He's getting lots of shots, but, you know, does um, impact uh, your chances of bonus. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. I mean, with Richarlison last season, he had the most shots off target of any player. I know Callum Wilson had missed the most big chance of any player at certain points this season. I think that definitely works. With um, with Ryan Fraser, I'm not particularly surprised. I saw quite a good stat today that in terms of the assisting pairs, uh, Ryan Fraser to Callum Wilson was uh, ranked equal to Callum Wilson to Ryan Fraser, Sergio Aguero to Raheem Sterling and uh, Ramsey to Aubameyang for assists to goals. Interesting then, Nick. So in terms of why we've looked at selfishness is because of uh, understanding why there's a BPS deficit amongst some players. How is this useful to FPL managers? I think it's particularly useful, especially when you're looking at those those premium assets. And I wanted to quickly talk about premium assets as well as um, some of the other picks out there that perhaps, you know, alongside Ryan Fraser can get you those bonus points if they get those goals and assists. And, you know, we we see William and Silver doing very well in terms of baseline bonus. They were second and third behind Ryan Fraser. And they're also, you know, coincidentally, some of the at least selfish players in the game as well, ranking sort of eighth and seventh. So I think um, there's no surprise there, I guess, with William and Silver. These guys are often on the set pieces and corners and just very creative players, very very unselfish players. And and last year as well, we saw it as well with the likes of Gross and Oetzel and Fabregas um, being unselfish and uh, the likes of Charlie Austin and uh, Jermaine Defoe being particularly selfish. But I think um, it's particularly interesting in terms of the premium assets because Hazard, you know, we talked about him in podcasts before, when Hazard scores, when he nicks a penalty and scores, 
he gets he always seems to pick up those free bonus points. But when Salah scores, he doesn't get anything. And this is because Hazard is an unselfish player. Hazard's ranked in the last three seasons. He's ranked ninth this season for unselfishness, seventh the season before, and 16th the season before that. Whilst the likes of Salah is he's 67th and 48th. And, you know, Mane as well. Mane's ranked 69th at the moment in terms of um, um, unselfishness now. So, yeah, I think... Uh, what we know about Hazard is he's he's very he's he's a brilliant player. When he does score, when he does create those chances, get those assists, he gets those bonus points. But you know, it it is inversely you get punished by Salah because obviously he is um he might be more selfish than some of these other options. But the amount of chances he's creating, you know, he's got hat trick within him as well. So you have to you have to take it with a grain of salt. It's it's an interesting metric. We talked about it before when I think you did a very interesting article on the site comparing Deli Ali and Ericsson and who was the better pick. And Ali was always the more selfish player, never got the bonus points, but he was also scoring more goals than Ericsson. And he kind of broke even to a certain extent. Perhaps Ericsson ended up just tipping um, Ali in terms of a better pick because of the creativity and the chances um, created that he offered. But, you know, at the end of the day, you've got two two different types of players, one that's more likely to get you assists and bonus and one that's more likely to go for goals. And it depends on your sort of style of play, whether you prefer a player that's more creative or whether you want a player that might have a hat-trick within him. But if he does just score the one goal, he's not going to potentially get the bonus. Yeah, exactly. I think on the legendary hunt for points, it's always worth having a mixture, isn't it? It is very interesting in terms of just trying to predict who's likeliest to be kind of coming away uh, with those bonus points if they don't do very much else or just get an assist or something. Like with Kane, for example, over the last six, actually doing very well in terms of BPS points. So the BPS actions that contribute towards bonus is actually top for that over the last six. Uh, Beneath him, you've got the likes of Firmino, you've got the likes of Jose Perez, you've got the likes of Rashford, who have been creating things as well. And it just shows that Kane scoring those goals is what's getting him to those BPS points. If you look at the baseline, he's way down. I mean, of course, you probably would own Kane, but maybe you'd look at a player like Eze doing very well if Newcastle started firing and think, well, no, no, he's he's not a particularly selfish player, so maybe there is the chance of getting assists, getting that kind of extra two or three bonus, which may be tantamount to better options. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, say Perez is a very interesting case there. So whilst Rondon and uh, Hosselu seem to be the uh, the selfish players within the team, Perez is the opposite. He is very unselfish and he seems to be creating a lot of chances for his teammates. He will get those bonus points as well. So he could be, you know, a really decent option within that sort of Newcastle front line at only 6.1 as a, as a cheap asset that's, that's going to potentially get assists, potentially get goals and bonus as well. Yeah, obviously, we're not saying you should definitely bring in these players, but um, it is very interesting to look at the analysis and, uh, and, you know, identify those players that can perhaps get goals and create chances for their teammates and pick up bonus as well. So I think Hazard is um, the most interesting of the premium options and Ryan Fraser within the cheaper options. Yeah, definitely. We're we writing this up um, as part of the collaboration with 90 Matt, which is to come 90 minutes at a time. We had Tom on last year. Essentially, you've heard the half of it, and you know, hopefully, uh, it's something that's just vaguely interesting to you. And we'll keep referring it throughout the year and maybe have a look at it in the same way we looked at Talisman Theory later on in the season to see how it's getting on. All right, Nick, let's take a break there and move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and we're on to our feature section now. This is our regular section on the podcast where we speak about three things. The first is market forces, second is zombie league, and the third is an update on the All England team. First thing is market forces. This is our section where we use our FPL NTI data to describe the movers and shakers in the transfer market. And Nick, it's a very interesting man at number one this week, isn't it? Yeah, it's Lucas Torreira, which is, um, you know, a bit of a random pick, perhaps for the uh, current moment in time. But he's had over 100,000 transfers in, and that's partly because he's got two goals and an assist in the last three. And that's including games against Spurs and Manchester United. And he's only priced at 5.1. So people are starting to look at this guy and think, oh, he's a a really interesting, cheap midfield asset for the Arsenal fixture run, um, which they've got Southampton, Burnley and Brighton up next. So, yeah, Torreira, interesting case. You know, he's got a delightful um, bicycle kick in the last game um, and a lot of people are very interested in this guy he's only 22 years old looks like a brilliant talent for the future uh, but it is worth mentioning that he is of course a defensive midfielder so you, you know we are thinking that he's unlikely to continue this rate of return um, at Sampdoria in his first season he didn't score at all in his second he managed to get four goals and an assist um, but in the last six game weeks actually he's, he's had 13 goal attempts 
and over the course of the season it's it's been 16 so in especially in the last six game weeks he really seems to be um starting to develop an offensive edge perhaps he's starting to move forward a little bit that could be a really interesting pick one one definitely to monitor for the next few game weeks and see how he performs especially considering his price he could easily fit into all of our teams yeah, exactly. The the only downside would be that the injury to holding means that we have a bit of a makeshift backline arsenal. We've got, uh, what, Wom's fit central defender in uh, Socrates. And then alongside him, what are we going to do? Lichsteiner and Monreal at the moment? Mustafi's got a knock as well, hasn't he? Yeah, it? that's it, yeah. So only only one fit centre-back. So if uh, Emery persists with three at the back then Torreira may may be called into defensive duties a lot more than he has been when we've got at least had two fit defenders back there. Um, but yeah, no, definitely an interesting one. One that I was very surprised to see. I mean, there was a rise last night, but one that I was very surprised to see see there. But, you know, returns in two game weeks, people are going to be thinking, oh, that's worth a buy, right? Definitely one to monitor for the moment in time. Um, in terms of transfers out, it's, it's still Aguero um, being heavily sold. He is, his ownership's now down to 24.9% as some of the zombie teams take notes as well and get rid of this guy. But he's had over 100,000 transfers out this game week. Obviously, he's out. So a few people were holding on to him. But now with the likes of Bamiang and Kane really having decent fixtures, you know, it's, it's time to get rid if you're still holding this guy. And Aubameyang's had over 77,000 transfers in. And it's quite astonishing, really, that he's been breaking all sorts of records with price rises over the last seven days. He rose on the, the 3rd of December, the 4th, the 5th, the 7th and the 8th. Of December and that's quite incredible especially considering he hasn't even been hauling that you know he hasn't had huge hauls he got um two points against Manchester United and five points against Huddersfield so he hasn't really backed these um you know heavy transfers in with with his returns but you know I think Aguero being injured has um encouraged people to look at Aubameyang and with the fixtures as well like we mentioned you know people are flocking to this guy and his performances have been fantastic and he has got 10 goals and four assists to his name so it's no surprise really I had an interesting insight, actually, of a friend of mine who plays FPL casually, and uh, he was looking at a transfer to bring in. And the first thing he did, actually, was look at players around the price bracket, look at the top scoring one, and he swapped over to look at the transfers in to see what other people were doing. And then he went ahead and did that, basically. That's probably how a lot of players work. They just look at the market, look what's going on, look who scored the most points over the last few weeks, and uh, you know get the player who's nearest to the budget that they've got. With Aubameyang, what happened was that, obviously, you had had Conaguero and probably some people had some money left in the bank and just made the straight swap to Aubameyang and that seems to be what they keep doing it reminds me of uh, to a lesser extent your man Ward last year when people were just buying him in because he was uh, the top scoring defender around a certain point wasn't he and people just thought oh yeah I'll just get that I'll get the guy who's scoring the most points at the moment it just led to a ridiculous rise with Aubameyang he scored seven points but that's been accompanied by a now 0.6 price rise like I got Aubameyang at 10.9 last week and now he's up to 11.5 so that's crazy I changed from Aguero whereas people now have to be selling somebody else to make the swap uh, to Aguero if you're a 0.0. Yeah, and that was part of the reason why we did some of these early transfers and these hits because, you know, we were forced to almost with all these Aubameyang price rises hitting us that, you know, it was like bringing this guy to take a minus four to bring him in this game week and I had to sell Hazard to fund it and and it was a risky move and Hazard obviously um, outscored Aubameyang this game week but at the end of the day, you know, I, I felt like having this Arsenal forward was essential, and if he and if he was the player to get that hat trick, then I'd have been severely punished. So you know, it was almost a forced move. And um, yeah, we're seeing other straight swaps actually this um, this game week again. We, it's the same one as last time; seems to be a repeat. But perhaps it's because of the fixture congestion to a certain extent that the same moves are being made. Um, Marshall's been sold by over seventy thousand managers because of his knock, and uh, Felipe Anderson, who's been doing bits for a lot of people, including yourself now, Tom. Um, he's had 95,000 transfers in. You know, a lot of people punished by Anatovic, um, who's injured, and 70,000 people transferred him out. 90,000 people have transferred out Wilson. But interestingly enough, another West Ham player actually appears in the uh, top transfer scene, and that's, a, that's Chicharito, Tom. Um, <laughs> bit of a random pick again, but with 63,000 transfers in, perhaps people are seeing as, this guy as, as, you know, the cover for Anatovic. He ha- does have three goals and an assist in the last three games. And, um, you know, he is quite kindly priced now at 6.3 million with only 4.5% ownership and Fulham up next. Can you, can you see the logic behind that? 
Yeah, definitely. He's got Fulham, Watford, Southampton, Burnley and Brighton. Mental. That's a brilliant run, isn't it? It's a very, very good run. And, you know, Chikorito does have a very, very decent points per 90 average, I think we worked out, um, when he first joined West Ham. I mean, you would expect that he's going to get a run in the team now. And in these kinds of fits, I mean, over the last uh, three game weeks, he's scored three goals and got one assist. He's fourth full for shots in the box, which is actually fairly respectable. And what's interesting about him is that 100% of the shots that he's taken, he's taken 12 shots, they've all been in the box. And he's also, interestingly, had the most big chances over the last six, Nick. He's had nine big chances, Hernandez. He's actually just uh, just above Aubameyang, who's got seven. Uh, so he definitely is getting the chances, created by your man Snodgrass as well. So yeah, I completely understand why people are buying him in definitely one to monitor um, I think him especially and I think um, another interesting uh, forward that we never talk about as well definitely has to be on the radar is, uh, is Marcus Rashford as well Tom actually he's had um, 62,000 transfers in so only 5,000 less than Chicharito but it looks like a lot of people starting to look at some of these uh, different different forwards now um, you know our favourites from early on in the season like Wilson and Naltovic are injured and like Mitrovic also only played 45 minutes yeah, I mean, Rashford's actually top for chances created in the last six game weeks amongst forwards with 12. And he's had four assists in that time. So there you go. Right, uh, let's move on to the zombies then, Nick. And uh, it seems my zombies have decided to come back to life. Well, <laughs> half and half, uh, although I know with you it's been a lot better. Um, so over the last couple of weeks, game week 15, they, they mirrored my actual team. They got 29 points and they featured uh, a Duffy sending off. Um, uh, they did get a Jota goal though, Nick. He's back, Jota, and a Firmino goal. Uh, but this week they've got a 64, Aubameyang with the assist. Jota again, 11-pointer. Ashley Young finally has come through for the Zombies, 12 points. Uh, with a goal and assist, the bonus point, and uh, the nice minutes played. And uh, Ben Mee as well, uh, doing bits uh, with eight points. Uh, actually, Firmino too, again, is back in the reckoning uh, with an assist, with two assists, actually, and bonus as well. How have your zombies been doing, Nick? Yeah, so my zombies as well, they seem to be full of health and stamina, and it's uh, no undead nightmare for them because... Uh, I mean, game week 15, they only scored 48 points uh, with the Salah Caps. He got some points from Kane and an eight-pointer from Yota and a 13-pointer from Mahrez. So some um, you know reasonable scores there. But this, this particular game week, they absolutely smashed it with 82 points, which is uh, higher than I've scored all season. They had oh, the Salah man. captaincy, 42 points from that. They had Yota again with 11 points. David Luiz with a 15-pointer. And uh, Vatonian as well with a seven-pointer. So, yeah. Doing really well. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic for my uh, shambling zombies. Excellent. So uh, moving on to the uh, the league quickly. So the zombie league's updating at the moment, uh, but it looks like at the moment, Marino Bruyne still has the top spot. He was knocked off in the uh, Pascal scores, the gross scores. Um, but after everything is tossed up, he's going to be the top man still with Robertson, Costa and Ikinacho coming off the bench uh, for uh, 16 points, uh, replacing Mendy, Oates and Trippier. Um, that's probably going to push uh, Zombie Storhile, Thomas Storhile down to second. Uh, Aubameyang catching and Hazard there. In third, it's uh, Zombieland MP. I think he might actually have pushed his way uh, towards the top there again. Uh, this is the pitfall of doing it around now, but Salah captaincy has uh, really carried him. And it's the same um, for at the time of recording. Jill accordingly with Sad Sack post team, um, who had Salah captain um, and also Richarlison Gold tonight, and Robertson too. And uh, in fifth, it's, uh, it's JD with 88 points at the moment. Wait, no, it's not. It's 88, 89, 90. 91 points for JD. He can do it all by himself as uh, Salah and Robertson again uh, bring home the bacon for him. Um, I'm sure that's not going to be quite right. Uh, this is peril of doing it right now. I've shambled through that a little bit. But <laughs> looking at it, the, the scores haven't updated. There's lots of auto subs. I'm looking at some of the top five. Some people have Yedlin coming off the bench for minus three. A lot of people have sort of like Robertson on the bench as well. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a complete mess at the moment trying to do the update. But, you know, the important thing is the, uh, the zombie bench for some of these guys, not the ones that own Yedlin. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like playing five-finger filler, isn't it, when you're trying to do this sort of thing? You're inevitably going to cut yourself and get the wrong zombie's name. But, um, yeah, well done to everybody who eventually ends up in the top five slash the top ten and that uh, no doubt you will shamble on. Right, uh, the final thing to update you on is the All England team, and it's been a very, very up and down two weeks for them. So it's been a, a Raheem Sterling captaincy, a Bonanza and then failure. Bonanza by proxy in game week 15 because uh, he was captain, didn't play, so the vice passed to... Uh, 
to Glenn Murray, Nick, who uh, <laughs> yeah, who, who scored a goal, uh, got us 14 points there. And uh, you also had the likes of Harry Kane, of course, and uh, and James Milner contributing with a, with a 10-point haul. So that was in game week 15, uh, 67 points. However, this week, things have gone very, very, very far downhill. Oh, uh, it, 19 points for the All Englands this week. Uh, Callum Wilson didn't play. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold didn't play. So James Milner comes off the bench. No Liverpool defender. Uh, Raheem Sterling was the captain. And none of their players returned. None. So Pickford, Bennett, Walker, Keane, uh, Lingard, Murphy, Madison, Sterling, Kane and Milner uh, with Trippier and Vardy injured on the bench. None of these guys returned any points whatsoever. They've now had a bit of a fall they're now down to below the 1 million mark again from being 500k or so a week before so just goes to show at the moment how far you can fall from one poor game week and hopefully you know anyone else in that situation as well redemption is not very far away okay let's take a break there and uh, we'll move on to the community session who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and it's uh, time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. Um, if you haven't joined the league already, the code is 516-441. It's really interesting, actually, at the top this game week because uh, the man on top played his free hits, believe it or not, which is a bit of a gamble um, at this stage of the proceedings. But it's really paid off for him with a three-figure score. So he scored um, 101 and that's Xavier Labat with his um, team FC Werder Beerman. And um, he's 89th overall rank now at the time of recording. It's actually 104 because he's going to get a 10-pointer from Dine. Um, he also had Doherty, Kalazanac, Richardson, Captain Salah, Felipe Anderson, Chicharito and Aubameyang all getting in points. So he's absolutely smashed it with his free hit. And uh, yeah, he's, he's top of the table now as well. So well done, Xavier. You know, a bit of a gamble to play the free hit, but it's paid off in this in this particular instance. And um, yeah, he's, he's sort of smashed Kurt Goodwin, um, the Iron Laddies, who's unfortunately dropped a little bit this game week, um, only scored a 49er. But, um, you know, he captained Lacazette and also had Harry Kane. So it's a bit of a bit of a shocker for him, to be honest. But, um, you know, still had a few um, key players in there like Doherty um, and Hazard and uh, Richardson and Robertson getting him a few points. So would have probably preferred a better week. And he's got quite a few people now on his tail, actually, as well. Um, Charlie Marshall um, scored 65 points um, with the likes of Salah and Felipe Anson and Robertson. But also Captain Kane, so like me, probably thinking what could have been if he um, captained Salah. Um, also, Sonny and Cher, or Sonny and Shah, however it's pronounced. Um, Robert Hudek, he had a really good week. He's also on 101 points, so a triple figure score as well. You know, really good return from uh, Captain Salah and Felipe Anderson and um, Luca Dine. Actually, I think it's 105 for him as well because of the bonus points from Dine and also sub of Wan Bissaka. Yeah, well done, Robert. I think that's going to climb him up the ranks quite considerably. And, um, you know, worth mentioning. Um, our Twitter friend Richard Nykvist, um, still up there, but he's had a poorer week this game week as well. He's dropped down a little bit with 55 points uh, because he's got Alonso coming off the bench for TAA. B captain Dobamiang and also had Jimenez and, and Kane and Sane and Sterling, but got some points from Doherty and Robertson and Felipe Anson. So, yeah, um, mixed bag, really. You know, some really smashing weeks. So, so that's what we were talking about earlier, how things can really change in a couple of game weeks. You, you pick the right captain, you could be looking at a 100-point score whilst your teammates, only, your rivals only get 50. Yeah, exactly. And we need to give a big shout-out here to Guy Guy, uh, the former leader for many, many weeks, who wild-carded this week. And uh, much like me, got all the calls wrong. Uh, he got 32 points. Nick, he transferred out on his wildcard. Richarlison, Robertson, Salah and Son. All gone oh. this week from his team. His replacement, Sigurdsson, missed the penalty. <laughs> Wambasaka, Sana got pulled off after 53 minutes. Him, him and Ez Wilson and Kane as his front line. That's, 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 that's really unfortunate game week. You know, it looks like the only ones that scored him any points at all, Hazard and Kalasinac, to kind of, you know, add a little bit of respectability. But yeah, really unfortunate guy. That's, a, that's really unlucky that the wild card didn't pay off this time round. Yeah, exactly. But he's still just outside the top 500 in the world. So, you know, even the best players uh, seem to ha have a bad week every now and again. It's just, as we spoke about at the top, how you react to it. Cool. Uh, well done, guys. Especially well done to those getting uh, triple figure scores. Absolutely amazing. 
quick thing we should mention for the very last time is that this Friday it's the FPL uh, London Christmas party, Christmas meetup. Uh, we and Peter Blake, Massive FPL, cordially invited to this year's Christmas drinks on the 14th of December, uh, 7 pm at the Marlebone Sports Bar and Grill. Uh, we have a room but and we have about 25 to 30 people who have claimed they're going to come. I bet it'll end up just being you, me, Lee, and Sam from FPL family in the end, Nick. But um, hopefully, we've got a few, and, and we've had a few kind of listeners who don't um, use social media as well writing in to say they'd like to come which has been really really cool um so we're really looking forward to seeing all those guys and it should be a really good night and i hear you've got a pass too which can be very good yep i'll be there and looking forward to it well you don't quite look like a caveman now so people will be able to recognize you more <laughs> anyway let's move on i was just, I was just growing my beard in a uh, in true arthur morgan style yeah, exactly you need some uh, you need some miracle tonic to make sure that beard keeps growing right uh, let's move on to the questions then um the first question this week is about uh, about doherty it's a docker game week keeps the red arrows away and gabriel um fpl lens asks is doherty now essential that his stats are finally materializing yeah, so how did Gabriel? Yeah, I think this defender Doherty, he's looking so dangerous. That I think he is. I think he is essential. Uh, I looked a, a little bit at his numbers. He's, he's now actually matching uh, Golonzo for shots with twenty three. So he's the joint top um, defender for shots, and that's that's part of the reason. You know, looking at his underlying stats, it's brilliant. That's part of the reason he is scoring. It's not just a fluke. Um, and it's worth mentioning that also nineteen of his shots have been inside the box, and that's more than Alonso. And it's the second highest full defenders, only behind Michael Keane had 20 but it's not just shots with Doherty it's also chances created he's also fourth for chances created for all defenders with 19 so he's creating chances and he's also getting on the end of chances himself and I think picking him up at 4.4 million looks to be the bargain of the season and even if Wolves aren't getting clean sheets the cut the dock continues to deliver yeah, exactly. I mean, he's still incredibly only 20% owned, so he still counts as a differential. It's not too late. It may seem like that everybody owns him. That's not the case. You're still able to get some sort of difference out of owning him. I mean, over the last three, Wolves have not kept a single clean sheet, um, but he's scored 19 points. Um I, I can't really see an argument for not owning him at this point, other than frustration. Like, I guess you can kind of gamblers fallacy it um, and think, oh, it's not going to continue. And the fixtures are pretty mixed, aren't they? I mean, they've got Bournemouth, Liverpool, Fulham, Spurs and Crystal Palace um, up until January. But you can still see returns. And if you see him play, especially, like, obviously he's not like he's not as, as skilled as Alonso is, but he's still getting in the right positions. He's still able to, you know, get himself in with the potential of doing something as you've mentioned and a lot of his stats as you've mentioned too are really encouraging for owners and really encouraging for those who are looking at buying i, I find it very difficult to, to kind of uh, see past the case for owning him right now basically i think the message from us is he's probably worth owning pretty soon and it sounds like it's still a bit of a differential which is crazy to think about we both had him to 4.4 haven't we and he's just cemented his status after that late winner um, against newcastle as an absolute fpl hero Right, uh, next question is uh, about Kane and Alba and their performance risk. Um, Hamish, FPLNZ, asks how we think Kane will fare versus Burnley after Barca. Maybe one for you there, Nick. And also for Bamiang may have a rest in the same home fixture the next week as fixture congestion strikes and players may need to have a game off. I think at the end of the day, you've got to try and not get bogged down too much by fear of is, is a player going to be tired? Is a player going to be rested or rotated? I think with Kane, he's had his rest now, and a Barca will be a tough game, but it is possible that they won't actually play their best lineup, seeing as they've already qualified. It's possible that Barca won't actually play their, their best lineup. You know, it's, it's going to be a tough game, but even if they win, they're possibly not going to go through anyway because of the other fixture. So they'll be chasing anyway, and um, I expect he, I expect him, he'll definitely start for Burnley. Uh, in the Premier League against Burnley. Same with Aubameyang. The rest of the Arsenal squad, they'll not be playing in the uh, Europa League. There's going to be, you know, players from the reserves teams, you know, a bunch of players that we've never heard of before playing. You're not going to see the, the start, any of the starting 11 playing that Europa League game next game week. And um, so they'll be, you know, fully rested over this week. And, uh, we, you know, we've seen some really horrible rotation. But the good news, I think, is that a lot of the key men have now had their rest. We've seen Salah rested. We've seen Sterling rested as well. We've seen Kane sort of rested so I think I expect there'll be full strength squads and yeah I think so I think that you know against Burnley who are still a pretty horrific defence despite their 1-0 victory this week we may see Kane repeat his feat of last year uh, scoring another hat-trick I mean 
he's still uh, in the top three for shots in the box, for example, over the last uh, last six game weeks with 13. Um, and he's uh, also had the most shots on target of any striker and any player indeed with 14 shots on target, which is pretty promising, really. I mean, I took a hit to get Kane in, so hopefully that's going to come to fruition. With Aubameyang, after the game against Southampton, we are playing Burnley, and that's kind of the game I'll be captaining Aubameyang for. So kind of having playing against Burnley twice in a row. Um, I find it very hard to believe that he'll be rested. He's not the sort of player... I mean, he, there's an argument that because he was at Dortmund and had a winter rest, he might find it quite difficult this, uh, this Christmas. The issue is that... With Aubameyang, he, he doesn't, he's not the most injury-prone player. He's got fairly high natural fitness stats on Football Manager, which is obviously what I swear by. And uh, if, if you look at him as well, like he doesn't really do that much work off the ball. Like he's not, not really tearing around. Like he looks very energetic at times. Um, but at the end of the at the end of the Arsenal, uh, at the end of the Man United game, he didn't look that tired to me, although a lot of people were saying he did look knackered. I don't think so. But he's so languid, isn't he? Like he just doesn't seem to do very much. Um, he's very frustrating to watch as an owner as well, because you're kind of thinking, oh, get in the game, man. Uh, but all it takes is a second, all it takes is a blink of an eye, and he's away from the defender and having a shot at goal. I mean, admittedly, he did miss a tap in and uh, quite a good header, didn't he, against Huddersfield, which was agonizing. But I, I really struggle to see him being rested. And as you just said, Nick, I think that over-egging rotation in your mind to stop that making you make a move for a player is probably probably a bit too much. I mean, if it affects you, most of the players that, are going to be lo- that you're going to be looking at are going to be owned by a lot of other people as well. And it's going to affect all of them equally. Um, like if you don't want rotation, maybe Kane or maybe uh, Hazard are the two ones that are going to probably play the majority of the games. But... It's very hard to tell unless you are a professional psychic or something. You can read the mind of Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp or something like that. Right. Uh, the next question is Wilson. Uh, John O'Forward asks whether we stick or twist with Callum Wilson. Uh, Nick, what do you reckon about the Norwegian genius? Well, they've got Wolves and Brighton up next. I think it's a case of probably wait for the press conference, see what Eddie Howe says. If he is ruled out, I would probably be tempted to um, twist and uh, look at some of those interesting options that we referenced earlier in the market forces that are emerging, perhaps the likes of Chicharito with his brilliant fixtures or um, Marcus Rashford. Or if if you haven't already got the Kane and Uber front line, you could perhaps um, look again at disinvesting in the midfield to, to afford both of those guys for those uh, key fixtures. I think with, with Wilson, it depends on how much you bought him at. Like if you bought him at six, he's now seven. If you're selling him off, then you're pretty much saying goodbye to Callum Wilson unless you fancy buying him back at 6.9, 7.0. I think that's a really key factor there. According to unconfirmed reports I saw from FPL editor, he said his mate sat behind Callum Wilson and asked him, yo, you, you let me down. And Callum turned and said, oh, I'll be back next week, mate. But yeah, definitely want to watch press conferences on. I think that, you know, in terms of value for money, in terms of being a star player uh, in that kind of mid-price bracket for the season, Wilson's really run away with it. But fixtures have begotten form for Bournemouth. They've really tailed off. They're still eighth. They're still uh, just three points behind Man United. But you kind of think over the next two, um, they're going to bag. Probably going to be worried about the Spurs-Man United games. But I mean, between game weeks 21 and 25, they only play Chelsea over that group of five fixtures and that Chelsea game's at home as well. We know how Callum Wilson likes to score against Chelsea. Um, so I think they'll come back and vogue again pretty soon. And towards the end of the season, after game week 29 against Man City, they don't play another top six team until Spurs in game week 37. I don't know what double gaming situation is like quite yet, um, but you can imagine that um, we'll end the season pretty much as many of us started it with one or two Bournemouth assets being the crown jewels of our team. So, you know, if you can weather the storm of Wilson, we've seen you can score in any game, it might be worth keeping hold. Next question, the final question at this week is about Son, uh, your man Son, and one of my favourite players to watch in the Premier League. I think him or Bamiang and uh, Kevin De Bruyne, for different reasons, are my three favourite uh, Premier League players. Uh, our designer, Matt Brewer, howdy, asked if we're interested in Son. On, even if we have to sell him again in a few weeks I think Son um, he was another one actually that featured quite heavily in the market forces that we didn't have time to to uh, reference earlier but with um, 68,000 transfers in I, I understand why a lot of people are bringing this guy in he's, he's essentially been the standout star for Spurs in the last few game weeks he had three goals and two assists in four games and uh, I think 8.5 million he represents really good um, value to um, cover Spurs if especially if you can't afford Harry Kane or you can't can't see a window to bring in Kane in if you've already got Sterling or Bamiang and Salah 
you know, you don't want to sell him in those guys, which is fair enough. But I think with Son, there is always that risk of rotation. Um, I memorably got punished last season by bringing him in in my second wild card for the double game weeks where he proceeded to do nothing. And um, with the likes of Lucas Moore as well competing for starts, um, there is that risk that he will be, you know, I just said um, some players like Cade and Salah, they've had their rest. Maybe Son will be rotated a little bit more, but he is in form. So perhaps Pock will stick with playing Son whilst he's in this sort of scintillating form because he scored some really, really good goals in the last game week, couple games as well. Really, really good goals. So yeah, he is, I, think he's, I think he's a decent pick and definitely a very interesting differential pick. A couple of things we do know about Son. One is that he's got two extra games when the Asian Cup starts with Spurs as a compensation for releasing him for the Asian Games. Spurs were allowed to have him for two more games uh, during the Asian Cup, which is when he will go. Uh, so he do have a little bit of time. And last Christmas, of course, he did play um, every single game. He started every single game. But uh, Lucas Moura being around as January signing, of course, and uh, Eric Lamella now being fit do make you worry a little bit. I think that he if you have a game week like last game week, can cover Kane. It's just over the course of the, this period when Spurs, frankly, have amazing fixtures over the next five. Burnley at home, Everton away, Bournemouth at home, Wolves at home and Cardiff away. That's, you know, that is basically Harry Kane captain three out of the four game weeks, isn't it? Can you deal with that psychologically? Uh, not owning Harry Kane. Um, a lot of people are pointing to the comparative stats, for example, up until this game week where Son was beating Kane up. Uh, with this game week's data, Son is now over- uh, Kane has now overtaken Son on the straight comparison. Um, he's had more minutes per attempt, Kane now. He's had far more goal attempts of 22 over the last six. Um, not creating as much, obviously, uh, which points to the fact that maybe Kane is moving forward now and maybe isn't is no longer playing in the Mitt McCarthy and the whole position. Um I don't know. I, I have Son in with Kane. I wouldn't have Son in on his own. Um, and I'm you know, a lot of people. I think um, after Kane scored and got the assist midweek, uh, he did see a rise. But it is kind of shocking, isn't it? That he hasn't really uh, attracted the transfers in that you'd expect. Same with same with Salah, actually. Yeah, Kane's only had um, 28,000 transfers in at this moment in time and he didn't start. But, you know, I, I thought people would look past the fact that he didn't start in the Leicester game and, and look at the fact that he got 12 points in, in the Southampton game. Actually, he scored against Chelsea and Arsenal as well. So prior to the Leicester game, he was on, on a run of three games in a row scoring. And, that, you know, I did expect, especially for this Burnley at home game, um, people would be looking at him quite heavily. But it seems that the market is really focused on Aubameyang, perhaps the fact that Salah got that hat-trick has curtailed a little bit of interest in um, in Kane as well. Um, Salah, incidentally, he is, he is quite high in terms of the market forces. Um, he's the seventh highest transferred in player at the moment with 68,000 transfers in. But he is already a heavily owned player um, with 35.5% ownership. And uh, a lot of people have actually been thinking about, even with the hat-trick, still thinking, like myself, are still thinking about perhaps selling Salah um, for other players, like you said, you know, the likes of Aubameyang's being funded, um, Kane as well, and um, Sterling and Hazard. It's, it's, you know, we, we can't own them all. And maybe some people are looking at Kane and thinking he's, he's too expensive to carry. But looking at those fixtures, I think you do need him. So that's why I got him in um, for the next five. Because Burnley at home especially, you know, it's a plum home fixture where he could easily be the guy who scores a hat-trick this game. We Salah has a um, you know, much tougher game against Manchester United. Yeah, you're going to be in the gang hideout, aren't you? Hoping that uh, things go your way again in that Burnley fixture just because of how bad they've been. And there are signs that they are strengthening. But, I mean, it just depends how much the Barcelona game takes out of them, really. I'm expecting they're going to be chasing the ball a lot. I'm expecting a lot of players are going to be knackered. It just depends how involved Kane gets in that game, how much he does a Wayne Rooney impression and starts chasing it around. Um, so you, you mentioned uh, you, you've mentioned that you're thinking about getting rid of Mo Salah. That moves us nicely on to uh, transfers and captains for this week, Nick. Um, as I've mentioned, I'm going to be rolling the transfer after taking far too many hits and making far too many changes in the last couple of game weeks. Sash, last one week, I'm going to uh, be captaining, unsurprisingly, Harry Kane. I, I am kind of fancying a Sterling. Uh, Sterling early game thing actually against Everton, but I think I'm going to probably Captain Kane. Don't need it, Tom. Captain Kane, and uh, you've convinced me, Nick, uh, to play success over Wambasaka. <laughs> so Bailey's all round if uh, success uh, success smashes it. Um, so uh, in a three four three for probably one of the first times uh, this season, 
accept the time that I own Callum Wilson for that brief period. What about you? Yeah, so I think I might go for a three-four-three as well. Actually, uh, disinvesting in the back, even though my defenders continue to score goals and get assists. But no, I think I, I won't be playing Wambasaka, and I, I'm I'm going to probably not play my uh, new favourite player, Luca Dean, uh, because he has Manchester City, and I just don't expect a return and, and success. You know, he he was in the he was in the thick of it today. Actually, to be fair, he, he was getting involved. Um, could have had an assist a couple of times and he's got a nice fixture against Cardiff at home. So, you know, I'm tempted to give him a spin and uh, bench Wan-Bissaka. But in terms of transfers, I mentioned selling Salah, but I'm probably not going to do it this this game week. I'm actually probably going to roll my transfer. And then that'll give me um, two free transfers um, for the following game week where I do have the option at the moment, but probably won't by the time the game week starts, of doing a swap of um, success and Salah for Sterling and Rashford. And that will give me an extra man as well for, um, you know, bolster the bench over the sort of the Boxing Day New New Year's Eve period where they're probably going to be a little bit more rotation as well. So that's an idea that I have been floating of, um, you know, getting another striker in, in Rashford, especially for, man, um, for that run of fixtures where Manchester United have Cardiff Huddersfield, Bournemouth, Newcastle. Yeah, I think that's quite smart. I think I'd be, it's between success and Kennedy eventually who go. Um, I might end up kind of, you know, after rolling the transfer, use that because I've had a bench of success, Wambasaka, Kennedy, and Bennett. Uh, all competing for the 11th man in my team. I mean, obviously, the rest of it is pretty good. The reason I took the minus eight, admittedly I was drunk, but the reason I took the minus eight was because I kind of thought, oh, you know, this team is going to be unaffordable in not very long. And I think Aubameyang, Kane, Sterling, Sane, Felipe Anderson and Richarlison as a front six are probably going to be pretty unaffordable for a lot of people. So hopefully that's going to pay dividends soon. A little bit worried about Sane, but I'll leave it for another week and just see how it goes. And I think I've got to really because it is set up okay, isn't it really? (laughs) It's just uh, I'm a bit annoyed and I can't really look at FPL too much because of what's happened. I'm not looking forward to doing our uh, min-league write-up this week, for example. (laughs) Right, um, so uh, oh, there's a theme every week. Um, obviously, on the live stream, there wasn't one, but there, there is one this week, and uh, hopefully you'll like it without uh, burning down the barn and it being too easy. Just to say who we are, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter, at WGTA underscore FPL. And if you want to join our league, the league code is 516 dash. 4-4-1, and we'll be back in game week 17 with uh, Mark FPL General, which we're uh, very excited to have on the pod for the first time. Yeah, it'd be absolutely excellent to have him and uh, obviously listen to his experience as a, a very, very high-ranking FPL manager consistently. I mean, he and I are the similar rank, but I'm fairly sure he's going to absolutely uh, leave me for dust this uh, this season eventually. But yeah, very excited for that. And we've got a lot of uh, very good guests coming on over the second half of the season, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. But for now, we hope this is you and we'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.